Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this story in the beginning of the gospel of how you came to these two mothers, these two mothers of Israel, the beginnings of the change, the beginnings of the change that brought us back into your presence, brought us back into hope and life, started in their own hearts and in their own fellowship. Lord, may your Holy Spirit start something new in our hearts this morning. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Here we are, we're at the final Sunday of Advent. This is a season of expectation, like a sense that something new is in the offing, it hasn't yet appeared, and we want it to. And so we are crying out to God throughout this season, come, Lord Jesus, make yourself manifest. And in the midst of um, the difficulty of this world, in the midst of this difficulty of the circumstances that we have in our own personal lives, we're saying, come, Lord Jesus, show yourself Make present now the promises of old. Make them come real. Make them come true now. Isn't that the cry of your heart? It's the cry of my heart. I I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to say to your people this morning? And the the thing that I got very clearly that I think is kind of the background of, of everything that we'll talk about in the gospel is tell them that I love them. Tell them that I want to take care of them. Tell them that I love them, that I'm with them, that I will take care of them. I've got them. That was kind of the gist of what I heard him saying to me. You know, when you really feel like God's taking care of you, man, everything else can almost do what it may, you know? You can really let go, can't you? And, um, You can actually become a generous person, too, when you feel like the Lord's really taking care of you. Um, And I think that's really what he wants for each of us to know in the depths of our heart. I think so much of our pattern in life is to say, I've got to take care of me. If I don't take care of me, who will? I've got to make sure that I'm seen and recognized. If, If I don't make sure that I'm seen and recognized and given the credit, for instance, that I, I, I really should get, then who will? And I think what the Lord wants to say is, look, I'm, I'm going to cover it for you. I'm going to actually bring about what you really need. I'm going to take care of you. And um, I think we have in the story of Mary and Elizabeth such an incredible, amazing story. I don't, I don't think I fully appreciated it until just this week, how incredible and, 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 and so different from the way that we normally operate it actually is. Um, I was um, recently um, going back to a show that was part of my, well, I guess it was my college years, right? It was um, a show called Seinfeld. It was a comedy. It's one of those first comedy shows back in the day, and I guess the 80s and the early 90s, where it's about nothing, and nothing really happens, and it's kind of funny. But it's mostly these Jewish um, guys living together and their friends in, in New York City. And um, it reminded me of my years growing up because I had mostly Jewish friends when I grew up in New York. And um, the whole culture there, there's something really delightful and appealing about it. And um, so Jerry Seinfeld's the central character and he's actually a comedian, a comedian in real life. And he plays a comedian on the show. So it's kind of like, it's hard to distinguish between what's fiction and what's real. 
But one of the things I liked about it, it reminded me of my, my Jewish friends because there's this way of humor that they have. And they, it's like Jerry Seinfeld in the show is like, he's taking life and he's put it in his hand and he's kind of like looking at it and looking up at God and he's saying, really? Really? And he's like twisting it and turning it, looking at it from all these different angles. He's like, really? This is it? This is life? Are you kidding me? And it's that kind of that like mystification of like, I can't hardly believe it. It's just a sort of a Jewish wry sense of humor. And it, it's great and it's funny and it works um, almost every single episode. Some off-color episodes, of course, because that's the world. But um, one of the things that I came across this week, which um, maybe seems a little bit relevant to the sermon, was um, a bit of advice that he has for people, um, you know, if they want to be successful in their lives. And um, he said, I've thought a lot about this in my life. You know, I've, I've been really successful as a, as a comic. And he says, it's a really powerful thing to be standing up there in like a, a large theater and have 5,000 people laughing at the things that you're saying. That's a very powerful feeling. And I, I can imagine that that would be a very powerful feeling. You, you have them in the palm of your hand as like a lot of these performers put it, you know. Your, your excellence is so great that they, if all you need to do, for instance, is like touch your nose and then they break out in laughter. And that's a really powerful feeling. And, and he said, but, but you know, I think it's, it's, it's really important though that you're not doing it for yourself. Because if you're doing it for yourself, um, eventually they're gonna realize it. If you're, if you're doing it for them, you're gonna be just fine. But if you're doing it for yourself, they're gonna realizing it, they're gonna realize it and um, they won't like it. I think, that's, I think that's true. It's not about you, it's about them is kind of the conclusion. And, um, and I thought, man, he must have had a good Jewish mother growing up. He had, he had a mother who obviously knew that he had some gifts and so blessed him enough that he could develop those gifts in the ways that he did, but also knew enough to say, it's not all about you. He somehow learned that lesson and, and hopefully and probably he had a father who's, who underscored it and said, yeah, that's right. It's not all about you. You have to let that go. And then from there, you can become a generous person. So I think that a really, really great performer, the, one of the things that they do is they're giving of themselves to the people that they're performing for. And it's not to build themselves up. It's actually to bring a kind of a blessing to others. Um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a small human way, I think in some sense that is what's got to happen with each and every one of us, but it's so difficult to do. I think I, I want to say, well, let, you know, hey, do you, do you see me? Do you see I'm really trying hard and, um, you know, I still feel the temptation. Like I want to I wanna look in somebody's eyes, say, for instance, after a sermon and say, did I do okay? Was it a decent sermon? I mean, hopefully it wasn't terrible, but was it okay? You know? And I, and I want to have people say, yeah, you're, you're good, man. And there's a little bit of, of need there because I haven't fully accepted the fact that God's got it covered. I could, you know, whatever. God's got it covered. He's the one who's going to take care. He's the one who's going to make sure that what needs to happen happens. And you have your part in it and you have your part in it, but really it's about him and it's about those you're supposed to love. I think that in many respects is what happens right at the roots of humanity in Elizabeth and in Mary. 
and we come to them in this passage in scripture, what's beginning to change is a heart. The hearts of both of these mothers where they're willing to be others-oriented and God-oriented instead of self-oriented, instead of self-justifying, self-promoting. They're willing to be God-justified and God-magnifying. And that's, that's the difference here. And it's just a beautiful thing to realize because I, don't, I actually don't think it's that common. You know, um, I think about Elizabeth, right? She's, she's this older woman who now is pregnant, and it's, it's, on, it's, it's really a, a miracle, and they know that something incredible has happened because her, her husband, who's a priest, went into the tebble, temple to pray and light the incense in the temple, and then he came out, and he's making all these gestures, and obviously something marvelous happened is how it's put. He did, in fact, meet Gabriel, and Gabriel is always the angel who speaks to messianic things, like a new kingdom thing is going to happen. That's Gabriel. Started with the prophets like in Daniel. When Gabriel shows up, you know a new kingdom reality is about to break through. So she's, she's somehow in that. And she somehow knows that new things are happening. And she's also pregnant, which is at her old age. You know, like the old um, uh, stories of people like Hannah or Sarah in the stories of the great patriarchs and matriarchs of Israel, she's now pregnant, and it's, it's really unlikely. And um, so I think, you know, in some ways, she's just starting to come into her own. I mean, in that culture especially, one of the ways that you as a woman demonstrated your importance in the life of the day was bringing into life children for your husband and for his name so that his name would be perpetuated. And that was how you, how you participated in, in life and how you got some of the good life back then. And so she's maybe feeling a little bit of that growing within her. Certainly there's a child growing within her. He's now at six months by the time, she's six months in her gestation with John the Baptist by the time Mary shows up. And um, what's so cool about her attitude towards Mary, who's probably a cousin, certainly part of the same family, is that she's completely oriented to Mary and completely oriented to Jesus, the little one growing within her. Um, you know, we, we in our culture, I don't, man, I don't know how to um, quite describe this. I think I, you know, the, the worst examples of what happens um, that would be contrary to what Elizabeth is doing would be the really obvious case of like the cheerleader mom. I've heard those like horrible stories about the cheerleader mom who, um, or, or maybe the stage mom, who gets in there and makes sure that their kid gets ahead, even if it means hurting somebody else, right? And that's, that's really ugly, and all of us realize that. But um, I, I, ha I can't help, I mean, as a dad, I can't help but realize in my own heart that there are times when I've kind of wanted to, you know, sort of promote my child. My child is got this talent, you know. My child is really good at this. Do you see that? Have, have you heard? You know, and I'll be kind of subtle about it. Boy, he, he just did really great, you know. And he's so humble about it. I'm not humble about it. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm like, you know, 
I just, uh, I, I think there's that in us, right? And it happens in very subtle ways. And what, what's going on there, I think, a lot of times is, I think what, what, what people have often described is like, you're living life vi- vicariously through your children, right? There's this unaffirmed part of you that still wants to emerge and still wants to be okay and still wants people to credit you for being okay. And you're just hoping, well, maybe since your time has passed, maybe your kids can be that for you. And so maybe the things that you never got when you were a child, now they're going to get, right? They'll get it. And maybe they'll see it then. And it's like, okay, then I can be vindicated. Right? It's, it's very subtle. But um, I think it's real. I think it's one of those temptations that's, that happens to us. And it doesn't even necessarily have to happen through our children. It sometimes happens, for those of us who don't have kids, through affiliations with other relationships, right? I've adopted so-and-so as my friend, and so I, I'm going to make sure that they do well, and then it'll be reflected on me. So sometimes people who want to gather around them, and this is like the classic um, professor narcissist in college, gathers around all these protégés around him or her, and, and then makes sure that they do well, and they, they jockey for their position in the best placements or in the best roles or whatever, depending upon their profession, and we do this kind of thing all the time. Because we're still trying to promote ourselves and justify ourselves and establish our own goodness. Make sure people see it. And it's very subtle. But what, what, what do we see in Elizabeth is, is different from that. It's a counter move, which I don't think can happen unless God's at work here. So I want to just, first of all, notice the fact that Mary comes. She's actually pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth is pregnant because God decided to open up her womb in her marriage relationship with Zachariah. So God has already acted, and the Holy Spirit moves, first of all, upon Elizabeth and even upon John within her. The Holy Spirit inspires this outbreak of praise. And what does she do? She does, because she's responsive to the Holy Spirit, her heart begins to turn to the Lord. Her heart is not so occupied, even with the great thing that's happening within her, that she can't see the even greater thing that's happening within Mary. Because the Holy Spirit has stirred something in her. We prayed that prayer, stir up your power, Lord. Well, that's exactly what happened with Elizabeth. The Holy Spirit stirred up something in her. So she recognized that God was at work and it wasn't all about her and God was at work in her little younger cousin, Mary. And he was the Lord somehow. And she knew this and she could say it and she could bless it. And she, was so, she wasn't even thinking at that point about her son. In fact, her son was participating in the recognition of this other child. That is amazing too. It's like she's so taken care of by God that she can actually bless another child and another mother. Wow, that would be, that'd be great if we, especially those of us who are parents or those of us who have adopted people around us, could actually look at those who are outside our circle and say, I see God in you. And I see God doing something in you that it's really of God. And I can say that because I know that God's stirring all of this up anyway. It's all a gift from him. And that's what... She is doing. Uh, John, he's, he leaps in her womb. 
He leaps in her womb. That, that's a really significant expression. It, it's reminiscent of when the Ark of the Covenant comes into Jerusalem and David leaps. <laughs> he leaps because the presence of God has come in. In the presence of God, John leaps. In the presence of God, Elizabeth blesses Jesus in Mary's womb. And John joins her. He doesn't even know how to talk. <laughs> and he does it because the Holy Spirit's at work. And Elizabeth just lets that impulse of generosity emerge in her mouth. He lets the impulse of generosity, she lets the impulse of generosity say a blessing. And she does. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. She so trains John up in this, by the way, that John can be completely secure. He doesn't have to like, go out and be ambitious the normal way. He's described later as not a guy who goes to hang out in king's palaces and with comfortable clothes. He, he doesn't have ambition that needs to prop himself up at all. He goes out into the wilderness where nobody is, and people go to him because he's obviously living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's announcing a kingdom, a God-in-breaking kingdom out there. He's very confident in that. And he can even say, he must increase and I must decrease because he's so confident that God is at work. That's what's happening here, is that there's this other's orientation. You know, we said the summary of the law, the second commandment, love others as yourself. It's as if by blessing Mary, she knows that she's, she's not bereft of blessing herself. By loving others, there is no scarcity of love for herself. There's an abundance of love. And that's when you know the kingdom has come in. That's when you know the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, has brought forth so much life that there is no loss when you pour it out towards somebody else. So much blessing that there is no loss when you share that blessing with somebody else. That's how much the kingdom has come to Elizabeth. And then John continues that as he gets older. He continues to say, he must increase. Behold the Lamb of God. And the kingdom shows up. I want to notice, too, though, that as Mary receives this, I mean, she's really being blessed. Mary starts to do, I would say, she starts to fulfill the first commandment. I mean, she's just had the most astounding compliment paid to her that she's being recognized as bearing the, the, the Lord, the Son of God, which is what Gabriel foretold to her. And Elizabeth is recognizing it. And she's sort of taken up in it. Gabriel said, look, Elizabeth's pregnant even though she's old, and it's because all the things that are impossible are now possible with God. And Mary is so taken with this incredible power of God within her, which Elizabeth is recognizing that she can't help but do what? Not say, yeah, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I am. I'm the best. I'm, I'm obviously the best. Um, she's, she doesn't do that, and I think that sounds repulsive, doesn't it, when I say it that way? Um, but we've just come, we've become so used to thinking, like Mary just says the song, and she's very humble, um, and she says, sings this song, but this is really weird. She doesn't, like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty good. Thank you for complimenting my sermon. It's really nothing, but I'm loving it, and I'm eating it up, right? She doesn't do the eating up thing. Um, she just immediately turns it back to um, 
extolling the mighty excellencies of God. And I'm saying it that way on purpose. The way that it's put in this hymn is that my soul magnifies the Lord. It's the same thing when the Holy Spirit falls on the church at Pentecost. Is when the Holy Spirit comes, you start to not magnify yourself, you start to magnify God. Mary is really, in some ways, the first embodiment of true church. When the Holy Spirit comes, the church is formed. We really become the body of Christ. And Mary is right there in a very, I guess you could say, say like a preliminary way, in a foretaste kind of way, saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. It's not about me. It's not about me. My soul magnifies the Lord. For he has done great things for me. It's his hand that does it. It's not the name of my family. It's not me trying to promote my child. It's about his name and what he is doing. And so she magnifies him. And she also makes this, she draws this really interesting contrast. The proud have been scattered in the thoughts of their hearts. The proud, the the word for there is like, this, this kind of hyper-appearing, this hyper-way of manifesting and projecting yourself. Like uh, the proud in this case, these are people who decide how they want to look and they project it and it's all puffery. They're puffing themselves up. I think that's a good way to think about it because it's so flimsy. It really doesn't have any power to stand because it's us making stuff up. Like we are good. But what she's saying is that in my place of lowliness, in my, she even says, in my place of humiliation. Because I think there was a lot of vulnerability that she was actually feeling. She's, I know that she and, she and Elizabeth are sharing so much joy right now because what's happening is their vulnerability is being transformed into joy. And they're sharing it with each other. And they're realizing it's not just about them. It's about God's name. It's about God being true to his promises. It's about God's power in the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. And it's ultimately about Israel. It's about all the people of the Lord. They begin to see their lives in a much greater context, in a context of loving one another, in a context of worshiping God, but in a context of of seeing him save everyone. It's not about them either. And so the kingdom comes. I love the way it ends. It ends with her staying for another three months, which means that she was there for the delivery, helping out her cousin. And then she goes to her own home to get ready for her own birth and delivery. Real community. Real community where they can help one another. They bless one another. They bless the Lord together. They stay together. They help one another because it's not about them. It's about how they can bless each other and bless the Lord. Uh, Does it sound like a beautiful vision for community? I love it. I mean, I, I want to grow in these ways that Mary and Elizabeth manifested so beautifully, so contrary to my own instincts. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there's many more stories about men and women who promote their own lives and their own children and their own projects, Lord. I know that for many of us women, we, we, uh, we, we tend to see things a little bit more relationally than men do, and so it's through relationships sometimes that we, we get caught up in the temptation to promote, but it's just puffery. 
And then for men, Lord, a lot of times we, we tend to be a little bit more interested in things than people, so we tend to promote ourselves through our projects and wanting recognition through our achievements, Lord. And I know that doesn't describe all of us, but it describes us in different ways at different times. And so that means, Lord, that we need your Holy Spirit this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would quicken within us such confidence that you have done great things and that you love us, that you've got us, that you will take care of us, that we can truly bless others, that we can truly see you at work in their lives and that we can truly and freely magnify your holy name. Lord, this is the kind of abundance we want in this community. We know that in your kingdom that there is no shortness of blessing. There is no shortness of love and provision. We have nothing to worry about because you have taken care of us. Lord, I pray that the fruits of this work of your spirit would be manifest so that your kingdom would appear. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.